Blog Talk Radio.
on the Christ within and birthing or rebirthing the Christ around the Christmas season especially and how that connects with solstice, winter mm-hmm. solstice, and other holidays. So um, that sense of Christ consciousness, at least for me, in connecting the dots with last week and with this week, is that one of the main things that happens when we meditate is that we are able to connect or reconnect with our Christ consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that meditation is one of the paths that helps us recognize our Christ consciousness or the message of Christ consciousness within us. Right. Yes, and um, that is that is a, a, a the most powerful way that I've determined for me to get to that place of Christ consciousness. And um, I think it is interesting to look at. There's all sorts of different paths to that. Mm-hmm. And um, in the past, I would hear somebody talk about their particular path to getting connected most efficiently or effectively to the Christ consciousness. The Buddha self, the mystic within, the different names we name it. But, um, and I would always think, oh, wow, I've got to try that, or I've got to do that, you know. So it was interesting that I didn't really trust my own intuition to do what felt right for me. I was trying to follow somebody else's path right. to their to their Christ consciousness. I was looking for someone else's Christ consciousness, really. That's what I spent years doing. You seem so connected. Let me just crawl into how you did it and, you know, do it try to do it the same way, right? But um so so meditation is certainly I think one way to get interconnected with that Christ consciousness. And um the connecting of the Christ consciousness in terms of it being an inner place that that exists with all of us, I think, is something that I really, when I hear the word Christ consciousness, to try to remind myself that it's within, because I spent many, many years, you know, praying to something outside. Um, yeah, which um, last week, um, one of the things that I talked a little about was growing up, mm-hmm. you know, and hearing Jesus Christ and thinking, Jesus was his first name and Christ was his second name because you're you know always hearing Jesus Christ uh-huh. um, versus Jesus the Christ. Yes, good and point. And that that Christ consciousness mm-hmm. is really within all of us. All of us. And uh, and so if you know if that's true, if we are all born and created in the image of God as a child of God as Jesus was that. Not that, you know, that there's a comparison of being exactly like Jesus, but we have that same consciousness Consciousness. available to us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if we choose to use it, connect in with it, stay aligned with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so it's all about how do you you get there Mm -hmm. and what do you do that helps you to get there. That is is a funny thing that we we don't normally hear. Jesus the Christ. Mm-hmm. Even though I think that is how, you know, how it's probably back in the day said he was called Jesus, and then he became the Christ. Exactly. Exactly. 
And you know, when I meditate, well, listen, we can take a break and come back and talk more about meditating. No, not yet, not no break. I'm thinking about, though, meditating, getting connected within, too, because so many times I'm, when I'm meditating, I'm still outwardly thinking. You know, I'm rattling off list of things to do or things I didn't get done or, you know, hopes or dreams or dashed hopes or dreams. And so, again, kind of like with the class consciousness, it's, it's connecting within, it's going within. And I've heard a lot of different metaphors of, you know, get on an elevator and see it going down or, um, you know, let your breath start off shallow and deep and faster and then slow it down and get it deeper. Anything to try to metaphorically or physically go inside or down and um and that's the same kind of visualization when I think of the Christ consciousness, I think of it as way deep within. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it just seems like there's some yeah. So Something I think else I'm trying to say, and I'm not saying it. So go ahead and you talk for a while. Well, no, so I think you're right. So we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about, so, you know, what is meditation and mm. and why, well, and you're already, like, starting into why we might meditate to go right. into the Christ consciousness and let it come back full, come through fully in how we live our lives. So, um, yeah, one-minute break. We'll be back talking about meditation as we Start into this new year saying yes to spirit. Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. Hosted by Leslie and me, Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) And meditation um, is so, um, so important to me. It's such a special, juicy, delicious, amazing part of my spiritual practice. Delicious. I love when you use the word delicious. It, it just really is. It's it's so fabulous to notice what happens, you know, in in me, and then in my life when I'm meditating on a regular basis. So just in the even without talking about what happens when you meditate on a regular basis, the impact, the long term focus in the moment of meditation or in the time of meditation, let's talk a little bit about why we meditate, why you and I meditate, Mm -hmm. because lots of people have lots of different reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, 
how we meditate, mm-hmm. when we meditate. Let's mm-hmm. just talk about and share some of our own practices. Well, I started meditating because I wanted to, you know, levitate and walk through walls and learn all the things, the tricks, the parlor tricks. There's nothing like having a <laughs> big goal. It's important. it's important to know what you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I did that years ago. I thought, all oh, those really spiritual people, they meditate. They sit in that cross-legged position with their hands up and their fingers touching their thumbs. And so really that was was the image I had, and that was the path I wanted, and yes, of course, still sort of think I should have, but, um, so that's when I started, and I, and it was years and years and years ago, and I got nothing, I would sit, and I would sit, and, you know, my back would go numb, and my feet would go numb, and I would, couldn't get out of the lotus position, because I couldn't move, but, um, so I did that for a long time, and then, um, it wasn't until about, I guess, three or four years ago now that I started doing a morning meditation at a priest house, uh, a Christian mystic priest. And I would get to her house every morning at 6.30, and we would sit in silence for 20 minutes, and then she would do a, oh, you know, it was a Christian experience where you get the, the bread and the blood kind of thing every mm-hmm. morning, communion every morning, she would do that. And then we would be on with our day by 7. And I noticed after like the first three or four days of doing that, my whole day changed. Even though during that 20 minutes that we were silent, I mean, I was literally moving chairs and going on the floor because I couldn't sit still physically. I mean, I was in such a state of anxiety. I know you think I'm an anxious person now, but you have no idea how anxious <laughs> I was. It's amazing I stayed in my own skin. But um, so the actual meditative experience was, there was nothing meditative about it. It was just a mind cycle, circling and anxiety of trying to sit still. But the practice of getting there every morning, sitting there or standing there or, you know, moving about, starting my day with that, literally within a week transformed my day. I mean, metaphorically, lights started turning green everywhere. I mean, phone calls would happen that I needed them to happen. I would connect with people that I needed to connect with. My anxiety throughout the day got less. It was unbelievable that practice, that daily practice, even though that half an hour wasn't, there was nothing spectacular that happened during that half hour. My mind, my chatter never stopped. But just committing to that way of starting my day. Yeah, I I love to think about what you shared. One, that... That reminder that it can, 20 minutes can make a huge difference, Mm -hmm. number one. And number two, that when you are in the process of meditating, in the experience of meditation, it doesn't always mean that your mind is completely empty or void of thought or activity, even Mm -hmm. physically, that your intention to be still and to listen for, you know, whatever Christ consciousness has to say to you um, or to guide you. It's it's the intention of doing that, and it may seem like, oh, no, I'm going through my list of things I have to do today and what's on my calendar. 
you know, it may seem like that's a distraction mm-hmm. when it really may be that just the commitment to sit and to ground yourself. Right. Even though you're thinking, you're thinking about all that other stuff, on a subconscious level, there's something else going on. Yes. The intention is being honored, I yes. think, yes. by Absolutely. the universe. And especially in what you said, in the, in the type of practice where you had a real schedule and you went every day at the same time and you started quickly training your body mm-hmm. that this is what we do at 6.30. Right. We sit here. Mm-hmm. It's like a little child. You can do whatever you want. You can think about whatever you want, but we are going to be you, my you, my brain, and me. We are going to be sitting right here. Yeah, yeah. And you know that's really a good. I'm glad you said that because it does trigger for me. It is kind of like training a small child. I don't have children, so I don't know this. But from the outside looking in, you know, you kind of have to corral them in, and, and you have to give them sort of instruction, very clear instruction. And I think, you know, step by step by step, I had to train my inner wild child or my inner anxiety or whatever those, you know, things that run amok inside of us that we don't normally talk about. <laughs> but it was really a training process. And then absolutely over a two or three month period, everybody was on board. And I still didn't get that, you know, silent, deep space that I got later on. But at least I was able to sit in the chair and keep my eyes closed. And then there's something about that that just seemed, as you said, another word, delicious. It just I really I looked forward to it, and it became something that really was just part of my skin. I think for me, when I first started meditating, I didn't call it that because I didn't have that language. So, um, what did you call it? Well, I mean, when I was young and that time of devotion, mm. that time of, for prayer. I like that word, um, devotion. Prayer, often when I was young and when I was a child or a teenager, prayer was an active act of speaking, usually gratitude versus um, asking for things. Mm. So mm-hmm. prayer was, you know, kind of speaking out, but the idea of devotion was to read something inspirational or read something from the Bible and sit and contemplate it. Mm. Allow it to, like, soak into your mind and your spirit and 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 basically listen for what does that have to do with you or right. how will you bring forth that lesson or that quality in your own life. And so really it was, medi- I mean, it's what I, today what I would call meditation, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of folks um, who are, who do daily devotions yes. or have set aside devotional time on a regular basis will find it an easy bridge to meditation. And like you, growing up, my image or my first image of meditation was the, Mm -hmm. you know, you must be in yoga pose and you must be sitting in lotus position, you know, on a mat or on the floor and there should be incense burning. Yeah, yeah, I forgot the incense, right, yeah. You know, and and very kind of the Eastern 
Indian and Eastern traditions, seeing pictures of that but not really knowing what it was mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, that's meditation. And for some period of time thinking, oh, I'm a Christian, I can't do that because mm-hmm. it's with whatever those Eastern religions are. And not understanding, you know, the distinction between meditation as a practice versus Hinduism as a religion or Buddhism as a religion. Um, But when I was in my 20s, I, um, in the process of going through and learning about many, many different faith practices, um, did actually first try meditation when I was consciously thinking it was meditation when I was learning about Buddhism. Mm. And um, and tried doing. Um, I didn't have trouble getting still because I had already had that practice. But trying to learn the chants and the you know the the language of it and all of that was very hard for me. But what I would do is I would just be like, okay. And at that point, I could sit on the floor with my legs crossed. Uh, comfortably for a while. And so I would, you know, just sit. And when I would find myself efforting to try to, like, am I saying the right thing? Oh, I like that word. Or if I was, mm-hmm. you know, in an environment where there, there, where there was chanting versus just silence, and I would be like, I don't know what you all are saying. And, you know, and I, when I would catch myself trying too hard, mm-hmm. then I would just be like, let me let them say whatever they're saying and just take in how that feels. Mm -hmm. And I can sit and be silent in this room Mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. And and so for me, that's kind of how I really got into meditation. And then, you know, then I just started applying it in what ways would work for me because I wasn't in an area where there was easy access to a Buddhist temple or anything like that when when I moved at one point. And so I just started sitting down and meditating. Mm -hmm. And then in the mid-'80s, I got um, exposed to metaphysics, new thought, unity church, science of mind, you know. And then was like, oh, meditation, yeah, I know how to do that. And then began to get lots of different practices, lots of different ways. To meditate, um, so so now I I it's rare for there to be a day where I don't meditate at some point in the day, and then at certain periods I have a real ritual. Which right now it's a new year, mm. so I am exploring and creating a new ritual for 2011. So some there are times when it's okay before you even do anything else meditate for a minimum of 15 minutes mm. to start my day. Start your day. Uh, I've had, you know, periods like that, and um, I've had periods where it was late at night, and then, you know, so I don't know what 2011 is going to be. It's evolving. It's evolving this month. Yeah, so you said, you said all the different types. Yes. Let's play a little game and see how many types we can name. Should we get pen and pad out, do you think? Oh, my. <laughs> I'll start. Okay. Walking meditation. I never would have thought about that. <laughs> when I took a uh, class at the Center for Spiritual Living Spiritual Practices, Reverend Dr. Petra said, uh, 
introduced a bunch of different practices, and that walking meditation I would never have considered. And we went out into the, you know, Dallas City concrete parking lot with Whataburger trash and did a walking meditation. And it was really marvelous for me. And I was just, like, so amazed. And then I'm thinking, that's really, you know, I've always kind of said I wanted to have a Christ consciousness state of mind or, you know, a mystic, you know, experience Uh 24-7. But I never really translated that into, you know, I can be walking and meditating. Those two terms never connected for me. So that was pretty cool. So the walking meditation, I would never have thought of. Yeah. I think if I had to choose one favorite form of meditation, walking meditation would be. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because it, for me, it's when in the middle of a busy day or in the middle of life, <laughs> which most days Is that the same busy, thing? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, there's something about being intentional and stopping, but not... Stopping, you know, it's like stopping the mind, the craziness, everything that's going on and saying one step at a time and aligning your breath with the rhythm of your feet. And it's almost for me like like many forms of movement meditation. It's like you give your body something to do Mm -hmm. and then your mind can really, something it knows how to do. Mm -hmm. You know, your body can about. walk and it doesn't have to think about what you're doing. And and then you can focus on the breath and you're not uncomfortable because you know how to walk. And you just are able, for me, I am able to just go so, so deep in a really short period of time. So, there, so uh, yes, you can have walking meditation as the first one, but I have to say it's like my... I think it's my favorite, favorite form. And we already talked about, like, just the basic sitting silent meditation, so we won't add that. So what can I add to that? Um, Well, let's stay with for a minute with this idea of movement and meditation. So um, many people love their yoga practice. Yeah, because once they know all the moves, when someone's calling, when the instructor is calling, you know, a certain move, and they know it already, so they don't have to think about it. They just move into it. Mm-hmm. That the whole time they are doing yoga and moving and stretching, that they are, you know, in that meditative kind of mm-hmm. state. So we could put all of the practices like yoga, tai chi, qigong, you know, that have graceful, easy, connected movements that move your body but clear your mind from conscious thinking. Right. And like you say, it does, it kind of gives your body something to do that doesn't freeze open. Mm Mm-hmm. Freeze open. I think that's a good phrase. Mm-hmm. Then we have mantra meditation. I thought you might want to have that yeah, one. Yeah, I like that one. Too. That was the, that, speaking of that spiritual practice class, that was the one where they had the mala beads. They gave us mala beads, which has how many beads, Tracy? I don't remember. 108? 108. 108. 108. 
um, and had the chant or had the mantra, and so we did it 108 times. And really, that was the first time. It was a group of about 30 people in class. We were all saying, there is only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. So we were saying those four lines over and over and over again. And somewhere around like the 80th bead or something, I had that moment of like the elevator went down, I saw the colors, I felt peace. I just felt like I went into this altered state. And really, you know, 40-some years later, I'd never really gotten to that level. And so that mantra experience was the first time. And then, you know, I'm going around trying to figure out where I can find 40 people to get in a circle and do a mantra with me every day. So I can get <laughs> I've got to repeat that exact experience. Yeah, and you've got to have them in the same room. Yes, doing in the, the same exact circle. Same mantra. Right. Uh, yeah. But that mantra, that was a pretty profound, and again, I'd never really sat and done a group chant before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I love the... Um, I love mantra in the sense of it's kind of the same thing that you are freeing your brain once you have repeated the the phrase or the phrases mm-hmm. in this line for four sentences um, enough that your brain is like oh that's what I'm supposed to be doing now okay. And it just kind of goes mm-hmm. on automatic, mm-hmm. and then there's this breakthrough of some other feeling or mm-hmm. deep peace or insight. You know, we talk a lot about meditation uh, versus, or not a lot. We had a show earlier where we talked about the difference between meditation and prayer. Oh, yes. And that meditation, the purpose of meditation is to be receptive to to hear or to feel or to be guided in some way, um, whereas prayer is more, you know, you are doing something or you are being more directed mm. with what you want to have happen in the world or what you're trying to create because you're speaking your word for what is or what should be. In a prayer. In a prayer. And so you are directing the universe to accomplish or to do or to support you in a certain way. But with meditation, you're getting all of that out of the way almost to say, okay, refill me. Kind of connecting itself, yeah. Yeah, and receiving either refill, refill, replenish, re-energize me in my Christ consciousness, or give me guidance. Give me the guidance that I need, and I'm open to receiving that. Now, does that go into some visualization? Visualization is directive. It's directive. Visualization is... Well, now, that's different than, okay, another form of meditation. Instead of silent meditation, guided meditation, Mm -hmm. where someone else is talking you through a series of 
experiences that you're having in your mind or you imagine in your mind, but you're not choosing something. You're not going into it with that. You're going into that, let me be open. And in that guided imagery or that guided meditation, the voice, whether it's recorded or it's a live person, you know, may take you through, using one of your examples, may take you down a series of steps or down a path into a deep cave and describe that cave in a way that you can imagine it and then create some voice or some, while there's light, and you move toward the light, you know, and take uh-huh, you on a uh-huh, journey. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's not a journey that you're creating. So It's you getting out of the way and going on that journey to a point where then there's a message for you. So do the different meditations have kind of a different, a different, um, oh, what's the word, a different, uh, not notice, it's not the word, but a different purpose behind them? Because in some way I'm thinking like meditation in its purest form is just, a connected experience. It's just an experience to be connected, to be opened to that oneness. And that's like, I guess in my thinking, that's like the genesis or the the most pure state of meditation. Well, if I, these other, if I looked at it from a point of judgment or ranking, mm-hmm. then I might be able to say that one is better than the other, but I don't look at it that way. I look at it as there are many different methods to be receptive to a message and to guidance. So one's not pure, is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) That pure state of connectedness, or maybe that state of connectedness is, is within all of them. Yeah, it is. Right. I, I mean, that's what I believe, that just like we believe there are all paths lead to God. I think there are, you know, a dozen different ways to meditate and to have a meditative experience. And the as long as it is receptive, it is it is a process that opens you to receiving a message or reconnecting with Christ consciousness and you're not pushing it, you're not directing it, um, then then it's meditation. Okay. See, that's, I guess that thing receiving, that's where I get to. Yeah. That's why, because I'm thinking it's just not even receiving, it's just being. In my hierarchy of the top ten. <laughs> the top ten. Mm-hmm. The being goes beyond receiving or directing. Know, that's interesting. Being versus these others that seem more like the guided meditation. I guess we'll add that one. So now we have five on our sheet. Um, I can remember, I think it was Alva at the church, at the Center for Spiritual Living that was doing a satsang, a group meditation one time. And she was, is this a guided meditation where every now and again she would give a prompt um, where I think the, the, the words that she used were, Thank you for that experience. And we were to be thinking of different things in our life that had been difficult. And then we were to thank that experience. Okay, that would be a contemplative meditation. Ah, there you go. That's why, yeah, that's why you're a smart one. 
And, but that was really a powerful thing too. But it was, I mean, I was, it was more directed in terms of what I was supposed to be doing in my mind, which my mind liked because it gave it something to do. But it was in a stillness and in hearing her voice saying, thank you for that experience. Right. And and the contemplative, you know, contemplate this scripture, contemplate this quotation, contemplate this, in this case, you know, who do I need to forgive or, you know, some something like that. Um, that's not directive. Directive is when you're directing the outcome, you're directing spirit to work in a certain way in your life. So the reason it's meditation, contemplative, even though you're, it's being framed, or in that case, Alva was reminding you with a voice prompt every five to seven minutes, you know, this is this is what you want to be open to receive information about. Uh-huh. That's what that is. You're you're meditating to receive insights about your life or about, in that case, some seeing, aspect. Seeing things in positive or seeing things that I perceived as not good as being something that gave me a gift. And so you were you were receiving a, a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You were receiving yeah. guidance about how to experience whatever you've experienced on a human level through the lens of God. Yes. And that that was powerful. And it really did shift yeah. the and experience. So that's why it's med- that's why it's meditation. That's what it's meditation. So when it's contemplative you've got something specific um that you are Again, focusing your mind on, but you're in the meditation, you're breathing deeply, you're consistently reminding yourself that you are open to hear what this is that's probably operating on a subconscious level mm-hmm. or and or what this means when you look at it through the lens of God, through the eyes of God. Mm, right. Because we believe that there are no coincidences and everything right. happens exactly the way it's supposed to. Right. So if I were to experience this painful relationship through the eyes of God, then I'm going to get this guidance about, you know, this needed to happen so that you could experience X, Y, or Z, or so that you could learn A, B, or C. And if you efforted it, if you, from a human consciousness level, talked about that same experience, you would be talking about it with a lot more Fair, likely. Resentful. With a lot of judgment. Oh, right. With another time I got this done. Right. Or how bad this person is or, right. you know, why you don't like them and so that. But going back to guided meditation, guided meditation, you've experienced it. Um, guided meditation is when someone is telling a story, or and you're you're on a journey. Guided doesn't mean they talk the whole time, but literally they are taking you from this step one to step two to step three to step four, and there's some silent places in there, but there's a connected journey that usually will lead you to a place. And maybe there's a person there. I've ha- I've, ha- I've done that where there's like someone there and you can ask them a question at the yeah. end of it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so yeah, that's you've like done guided. guided meditation, but it's truly a, like a guided journey somewhere versus a prompt that allows you to kind of create your own um, experience or see your own 
um, something that's happened to you in your life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I and I know that you've experienced it before because you've been to too many satsangs with Reverend Dr. Petra, and she loves doing guided meditations up through the mountains, up through yeah, the river, yeah, 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 up yeah, to the top, because uh-huh. you know which reflects her hiking, her passion about hiking and being in the mountains. And and, and so I know yeah. that there, yeah. it would be impossible for you to have gone through spiritual practices or coming right. to our weekly satsang without having had that. So God is in contemplative, both the leader talks. Mantra, there's talking. Yoga or movement, there's not necessarily talking. Well, the leader is usually cueing you. When you're yoga, yoga oh, the yoga and qigong and That's some of true. them those practices, the leader is cueing, but you're not consciously once you know how to do it, you're not consciously distracted because your brain hears, you know, downward facing dog, and you just you're you just move into it uh-huh. because you know what it is. But when you're first learning it, you're more conscious of your talk. Yeah, listening. Most people are. Walking, is your talking involved in that? I'm trying to think of the one we did in class, there was not. Um, there can be there voice can prompts. Be. Can, well, even with sitting in silent meditation, you know, like when um, the the uh, weekly meditation group that I um, participated in for three or four years. Um, oh, Awakening Heart? They, um, you know, during meditation... We often, if I'm leading meditation, I'm often every, you know, five minutes or every ten minutes may do a voice prompt. And and often that's for people, if you have a group and you don't know if everybody has meditated for a long time and has experienced, mm-hmm. it helps people to remember, go back to the breath or come back into, you know, if they're not experienced mm. and... um and even if they're really experienced, there are weeks when I would go and I'd be like, oh, my, I, the mind chatter would be, you know, everywhere consuming me. And hearing that leader's voice just come back to the breath mm-hmm. or, um, you know, breathe in joy. Breathe Wake out you up. Peace. Mm-hmm. It, right, reconnects, reconnects. Um, to what you are doing in that time. So there can really all be talking in all of these. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I think the whole thing of the myth about all meditation is silent uh-huh. is a myth. Yeah, you know, I went on a silent retreat one time for three days. I became psychotic. I was <laughs> you gonna say you I, now me I I just did a silent retreat. Like with yourself in your house? Uh Uh-huh. I just did a silent (laughs) retreat Christmas Eve or or Christmas Day into uh, 24 hours beginning at 10.30 a.m. Christmas Day. Um, And I could could see me doing a five-day silent retreat, and it would be fabulous. I just can't imagine you doing a three-day silent retreat. I did. I was psychotic at the end of the three days. I was in the forest talking to myself. Yeah, that was years ago. Out loud? Out loud, yes, out loud. Then it wasn't silent. Well, yes, I gave up. I I, I, I succumbed. <laughs> I was going to jump off a cliff. 
But anyway, actually, so I could meditate. Yes, I could see you doing a one or two day mm-hmm. silent retreat now. Uh, maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe. But um, well, I, yeah. as long as you could write, yeah, I, yeah, I could see you yeah. doing a yes, silent. Yes, we could retreat. write. We could write. But yeah, I'm trying to think how they build it or how they promoted it. If they marketed it as a meditative, I just think they said a silent retreat. I don't think mm-hmm. they used the word meditation. But um, So is that it? Is, have we one, two, three, four, five, six types of meditation? Can you think of another? Well, I, I think, um, well, also in the spiritual practice of science, you probably did a gazing meditation. Oh, yes, we did. So a gazing meditation where you That's focus right. on... Uh, in, in in that class, flame. it's usually a flame, uh-huh. but it doesn't have to be a flame. A gazing meditation, you you focus with a soft focus on some item, some uh-huh. something. Flame is good because the flame kind of moves and flickers, and so it's not totally still. Uh-huh. Um, and you don't focus right on the movement part. You're kind of like at the base of it. But a soft focus, and again, it's it's another way of giving your mind something to do right. so that it thinks, the brain thinks it's doing something, and your mind and soul can then feel free to go as deep as it wants to or, right. or feels comfortable doing. So the gazing meditation and, um, well, and chanting different from mantra, um, is that different from mantra? Well, I would. Well, let's put chanting in the category of sound healing and sound oh, meditation. Okay. Even though mantra, there is sound <laughs> because you're repeating a word over and over. Chanting usually has the connotation, at least as I've experienced it, with music. It has mantra has more connotation with words. words. And chanting has more of a con- connotation with music. I got you. And so the Gregorian chanting oh, yeah. in from the old, old Catholic tradition, mm-hmm. um, the chanting in almost any indigenous culture, there's mm-hmm. some form of chanting using sounds that may or may not be words, you know, but they are certain sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of the Eastern um, practices, using Om mm-hmm. is more of a chanting than a mantra, and then the Om is a word that has a meaning. So, um, so yeah, I'd want to make those. sure that we also said chanting for people who really have a distinction between mantras and chanting. And I like that because it gives us more numbers. Because really, my goal is to try to get to ten, three, four, five, six. We are an eight, Tracy. No pressure. Two more. No. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> no. You well, little... you could. Um... You know the labyrinth, but that would be considered a walking meditation. Yes. Because it's a it's a walking the la- a labyrinth. Yes, it's definitely another form. And you're right. Mm-hmm. It would be a sub sub point under. Walking. I mean, if we did subpoints on these, mm-hmm. we could have lots and lots and lots of examples. You know, uh, if you think about experiencing being still in the experience of nature, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people find that experience of, you know, hiking or um, sitting by lake and being quiet, and they may not say, I'm going to meditate, but that's what they're doing. You know, they're going to go sit at the lake and watch the water move and the way the sun hits it and they're experiencing nature, but they're just getting out of the way. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I think I have learned over the years to take, sometimes even take the word meditation out of it, because when I would work with clients as a therapist, I saw, and I do this group in the in the women's jail in downtown, and when I first started, and I used the word meditation, I said, let's go into a meditation. I thought half the women were going to get up and walk out because they really, you know, it had yes. such a sense of that lightning was going to strike or, you know, that I was this odd, crazy person. But when I said we're going to do silence or relaxation, we're going to have a relaxation, mm-hmm. you know, time, everybody got on board with that. So... I think you're right in terms of sometimes people just say, I'm going to just go sit outside for a minute or I'm just going to get quiet or get into silence. And it's like that really is meditation, but it's a comfort of the term that the term meditation has, as you said in the beginning, such a such a weight to it to some people. Well, and you just reminded me, I mean, when I was in college, I guess, no, when I was in grad school, college, but grad school, um, I worked, I had work study, and um, I worked in the psychology clinic that was run by the graduate school, you know, who was training Ph.D. psychologists and master's level therapists, and, um, and I worked there and it was an amazing education for me. And to see how crazy the therapists were. No. Oh, okay. To learn so much about mm-hmm. understanding people and um, and and when they, um, I was able to observe some of the group therapy sessions and they oh. would do guided imagery, mm-hmm. right? And yes. it would be like, let's do a guided imagery. And what all that really is is a guided meditation. That's funny, yeah. <clears throat> but using using guided imagery. And then um, in my career, pretty early in my twenties, and I was learning to be a professional trainer and uh, seminar leader, and you know, speaker, and run workshops, and you know, kind of the same thing, like using guided imagery as part of a structured activity. And I was really clear that this was like kind of, it it was a spiritual practice, but adapted for a secular use. Yes. You know, to kind of take people in a certain way and um, get them to think about, you know, at a deeper level, at an Mm -hmm. unconscious level, Mm -hmm. and let that guide them. Um, So I think we do have terms that we use that are not meditation for things that are meditation, yeah, uh-huh. that are the same as it's just called something different. Mm-hmm. And time is insignificant too. I've discovered that if I spend a minute meditating, it really has 
equal value as if I spend 30 minutes meditating. Yeah. And I agree. I think especially the more we meditate, mm-hmm. that our body knows and our and our spirit knows when we shift into that and we you know move into it that we can get benefit very quickly. And I love the example you started with that for you know for a long long time for for many many years you would quote unquote meditate but not feel anything. Uh-huh. And then you know when you got to a point where the practice shifted and it became a real practice, or a daily practice right. that you started noticing significant changes. One of the books that's listed with the show on the show page for today is um, Meditations in a New York Minute. And one of the reasons I love that book Mm -hmm. for people who haven't meditated a lot, even though I love it and I have meditated for for almost four decades now, um, there are times when I'm really busy. And it's a good reminder of what you just said, that I don't have to wait until I have an hour where I can light the candles and get (laughs) quiet and turn off the phones. I can meditate, you know, almost anywhere, Uh almost anywhere, almost anytime, Mm -hmm. and, and one minute is worth it. And you kind of become that when, I guess, meditation becomes a way of life, kind yeah. of like Christ consciousness. Then it just becomes who I am versus right. something I do. I'm thinking about that. You think about that. Yeah, I'm thinking about that because who there's a I part am. of me that is meditation is never who I, There's a part of me saying, yes. no, meditation is never who I am. Meditation is something I do, who, for me, who I am, the connection of Christ consciousness and meditation reminds me to be there or to allow ah. Christ consciousness to be present fully in my life at all times. Meditation is the conduit. Meditation is, yeah, one of the tools I use, one of the resources that helps mm-hmm. me live that, but I don't... There's a part of me that's pushing back of, no, you can't meditate. Meditative state of mind. Every waking hour because if I were doing that, I wouldn't be able to be connected with the real world right now mm. and direct um, Pay the bill. through affirmations things that I want to do mm-hmm. and uh, things that I want to have happen in my life. Because if meditation is about always receiving, at some point I need to act on that. Pay the bill. You're um, very focused on bills. <laughs> yeah, I say life, and I'm to... very much like <laughs> not trying to get consumed with that. Uh, like do a radio, do show. do a radio show, put gas in the car, some life activity, yeah, go to class this evening, you know, sing a song, yes, yes, laugh, have fun, mm-hmm. and med- not that meditation can't be fun, but just the physical experience of life. Having a meditative, yeah, meditative state of mind. I wonder if that, have you heard that phrase? Stay no, in but make a song about it, write Medi- a poem. Meditative, meditation. Um, one of the things that meditation has um, helped me with is to stay more consistent inside and out. You know, it's brought the duality 
I the only one that has a duality? Tracy's just trying really hard not to laugh out loud. But yes, yeah, so, but it's brought those together. Because when you know when I meditate, I'm kind of stealing, stilling, stilling, stilling. You know all the different kinds of um, parts within that sometimes go off and have their own little ideas or agendas in my day and kind of bringing everyone of all the little pieces of me together. So meditation has been a very um, therapeutically useful tool for me to connect, to still my mind, to still my body, to to connect my inside to my outside and to be more authentic in my experience. And I don't know if that's just me or if that's a natural outcome. It brings an authenticity to my world. I love that. And there you go. That's all she's going to say. <laughs> oh, all your little pieces are all together already. Well, as we wind down meditation, do do we have a topic for next week? Journaling. Journaling. Another practice, another <sighs> spiritual practice. Yes. That as in these first few weeks of the year, looking at different spiritual practices that, um, you know, when you and I talk a lot, it's, you know, meditating and journaling are the two that are two of the ones that really ground us both and uh-huh. we both use a lot. So next week we'll talk about journaling and different ways to journal and different tools and resources to help you build journaling into your regular, if not daily, spiritual practice. Right. And, you know, it is a significant thing because the the name of this show, Say Yes to Spirit, is so significant just to me personally. Because if I can, you know, like the little brisk brands of what would Jesus do, you know, anything that I can reconnect in, like the website godinmyday.com to try to bring people's attention back to how my life would be different if in every decision, if in every moment I said yes to spirit. And those daily little things that bring me back to that, meditation and journaling are, like you said, the two main ones. I uh, actually had years in my life that I had a friend designed or designated that if I died, she'd come in and burn all my journals. Because I have so many. Did you journal forever and ever? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So journaling will be interesting to talk about. Cool. Well, that's what we'll be talking about next week. And in the meantime, if you need a little inspiration to uh, say yes to spirit and to look for God in your day, visit us on the Internet at GodInMyDay.com. And uh, don't forget that there are a couple of, uh, there's a book and a meditation CD recommended on the main page of the show at BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash YTS. In the meantime, until we cross paths again, a yes Yes to to spirit. spirit.